that a holy God that he is would allow us to come into his presence. In him is light. There's no darkness at all. He is holy. He is righteous. And because of the blood of Jesus and his sacrifice, he tore down the veil of the flesh so that we could come into the presence of our God. Not only come into his presence, but he can live in us. Okay, I expected a bigger amen than that. Who's here today? Raise your hand. Glory to God. We're glad you're here. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, as you know, in the beginning of December, we did a, an outreach at the assisted living home in uh, Pontagorda Isles, Brookdale Assisted Living Home, and uh, had a great time. It was a Christmas party that we did for them, and we played a couple of games of bingo. We sang Christmas carols. We had cake, had cookies, had all kinds of stuff. It was a good time together. And uh, I got a uh, letter, a card, a thank you card in the mail from two of the residents. And she says, Merry Christmas, dear church members. Thank you so much for the lovely Christmas party you gave us at Brookdale Senior Living. We had fun and the gifts were great. Sincerely, Pat and Judy, residents of Brookdale. Amen. Amen. Touching people's lives, you know. I had one woman come to me at the end of the party and she said, thank you so much for doing this. She says, people don't do these things for us. We're kind of forgotten over here. And, you know, we don't want people to feel like they're forgotten because Jesus certainly doesn't forget about them. God's eye is still on them. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you've noticed that my wife is not sitting here in the front row, it's not that she's mad at me and didn't come to church today. But she and Pastor Ellen are hosting a Christmas party this morning for the children. And uh, when I saw what Pastor Nid did to get ready, I thought she was doing something for the grandkids. <laughs> but she was really going overboard for them to bless them. Amen. Just like she did Friday night at the Christmas dinner. I know that um, you all think that I did the cooking, but I didn't, because if I did, we would have spent the whole night in prayer. But she did, she outdid herself again uh, on the cooking, and the, the, the meal is just wonderful. Amen. Amen. And like I said, like I told people at the dinner, now you know why I've eaten so good for 50 years. Hallelujah. Amen. You ready to get in the word this morning? Hallelujah. Turn over to 1 John chapter 5. And we're going to read verses 1, 4, and 5. 1 John chapter 5, verses 1, 4, and 5. We're going to do a quick review from last week. Um, but you would have to get the, the teaching to get the whole thing. It says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. Then verse 4 and 5 says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? 
All right, so we've got the whoever that believes in Jesus. You've got the whatever that overcomes the world, which is faith. And then you've got the whoever that overcomes the world that has believed in Jesus because you can't believe without faith. Isn't that right? So you've got the whoever that's born of God. And when he, was, when he got born again, it, righteousness was imputed to us. Right standing was given to us before God spiritually. Isn't that right? And now that we are born again, children of God, have imputed righteousness, now we can live in practical righteousness or live that righteousness outward in our everyday life. And a lot of that is developing character. You know, as the church, we don't need to be characters. We need to develop character. Isn't that right? Putting on the armor of God. You know, faith is part of that armor, okay? And faith, it says, whatever is born of God. You are a whoever, you're not a whatever. You are a whoever. The whoever receives Jesus by faith, and it's that faith, that whatever, that overcomes the world. That faith has to be born on the inside. It's not just you hear something with your physical ears and go, oh, I believe that. It's got to be born on the inside. Thank you for that rousing agreement. Thank you. God bless you all. See, because one of the biggest problems that's happened within the body of Christ is that we've moved out of revelation and we've gone back into information. And we think that because I heard something, I know it and I got that. You don't know it unless you have it in here. That's like I've heard people say to me, I believe everything the word of God says. No, you don't. No, you don't. You know how I know? Because you don't do everything that the word of God says. And unless you're doing it, you don't believe it. You could say, I have faith in it. I agree with it. But unless it's born in you and you believe it and doing it, and that doing of that word is what sets you free. It's the experiential participation of the truth that makes you free. Isn't that right? Amen. So... In order to live in practical righteousness, to live outward what's on the inside, we need faith in order to do that. We need faith to develop the character of God in our life. We became a new creature in Christ, but that character needs to be working outwardly. Amen? And I mean, I don't mean to be rude, but I'm supposing the person sitting next to you would like a little more of that character coming out. And I say that because there's nobody next to me. <laughs> so whoever arriving at the whatever. What's the whatever? Faith. So the whoever arrives at the whatever. So who is it that overcomes the world? The whoever with the whatever. The whoever with the faith, the whatever. OK, when the whoever grows into the whatever, then the due time of whatever comes to pass. So you have to grow into those things. You can hear it. But you have to grow into it. And when you grow into it, then things can start happening in your life. What does it say in Mark eleven twenty four? Whatsoever things, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you have received them and you will have them. OK, so again, the whoever is receiving by the whatever of faith and will have the whatever come to pass. See, it's wherever your faith is set, it will come to pass. Faith. Born, not no, born, faith born on the inside. It will come to pass. Amen. 
And we know over in Ephesians, it talks about the armor of God. And there are three pieces of, in fact, the armor of God is all laid out in order. You have to put, the, the Roman soldiers always put their armor on in order. The, the belt of truth was the important part because the breastplate of righteousness hooked on to the belt of truth. The shoes would have straps that come up or the boots would come up and hook on to that belt of truth, that belt, okay? The sword would hook on to the belt. I'm sorry, the, the, the shield would hook on to the belt. The helmet was attached. The sword of the spirit that you had was in a sheath that was on the belt. Everything was attached to the belt. So the belt had to be the first thing that could put on, which means truth has to be the first thing you put on. But truth don't mean you have faith. You have truth. And then out of that truth comes the practical righteousness, because it's not the imputed righteousness, because if he says put on the breastplate of righteousness, it wouldn't be being born again and being imputed righteousness, because you have to put it on. Right. So it's practical righteousness. And out of that then comes the 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 boots of peace, which is stability. OK, that's what it doesn't mean preaching peace to people. It means stability. Because the shoes of the Roman soldier had spikes that came out the sides and came out the bottom. And when they got on rugged ground, they just stick into that ground and you couldn't move them. So in the same way, if they were marching down the street and somebody got in their way and fell down, they became mincemeat because the soldiers didn't stop. So when you've got that, your instability. You're off the roller coaster life. Your instability, that's the peace. Then out of the peace came the shield of faith. The shield of faith was not the little round decorative shield. It was the big shield covered you from the head to toe. Uh, Ed's shield would be bigger than my shield because Ed's a lot taller than I am. So, you know, but that shield covered you from side to side, top to bottom, and you stood behind that shield. And there's a lot of people that say things like, well, I had faith. I don't know why it didn't work. It's because you peaked. <laughs> you don't stick your head out there. Well, I wonder if it's working. Bam. And the enemy's waiting for you to peak. So you got the shield of faith. What comes after the shield of faith? The helmet of salvation. What's the helmet of salvation? A renewed mind. It's renewing your mind. And then after that comes the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's the rhema of God. That word word is the rhema of God. You know, in, in Hebrews, it says that the word of God is quicker and active and sharper than any two edged sword. That's the logos. The logos, the big, broad sword, the logos. But the sword of the spirit was that little dagger that when you got close, you would throw the death blow to the enemy. That's the rhema. A word from God. The sword of the spirit is a word from God, a rhema word. But you go from the shield of faith, renew your mind. See, a lot of people think, well, you know, I, I believe what the word says and everything's just going to be cool. No, you got to renew your mind to what the word says. If you don't renew your mind, you're never going to get that rhema. And how do you renew your mind? You got to meditate, ponder and think about the word. 
so that that logos becomes a rhema, which becomes a sword, and it's that is the death blow to your situation. Are you with me? Amen. And you can't get around this. I mean, God's laid it out. And some people say, well, I don't believe that. We really don't give a rip what you believe. God don't care what you believe, and neither does the devil really care what you believe, except the fact that if you believe wrong, he knows he can then whip your butt. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Are you with me? The sword is being developed behind the shield because you have your helmet on. So you get behind that shield of faith and say, that's what I believe. But then you got to renew your mind. Listen, there were things that I've known in the past, things that I had known that I needed to do, but I couldn't do it without a raiment of God. I knew the Logos and I knew and I knew I had to come to a decision. And it took me months of meditating on what the word of God says to where I came to the place and said, OK, I'll make this decision and do this. You know why? Because the decision has to be out of the will of your soul and not out of the thoughts of your emotions. When you make decisions out of your emotions, you will flip flop, you'll vacillate, you'll get thrown down, pushed around. But when you set your will based on the word of God, there's no change in it. There's no going back anymore. Amen. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So the whoever reaching the appointed time of the whatever. And then the vision and the goal comes to pass. Now, we spent a whole week, a whole service on that last week. There are more whatever's born of God than just faith. But faith is the whatever that's needed for everything else to work. Are you with me? And you really need to meditate on. Listen, I'm going back to, let's say, August, the beginning of August. The Holy Spirit started talking to us about foundations. And when he started talking to us about foundations, things started shifting in the church. See, I could tell by your face. What? So you had no idea. You know why? You didn't catch it. That's why you heard it. It was taught. You got information, but you didn't catch it. And starting back when foundations started being spoken to us by the Holy Spirit back in August, things started shifting. And you've got to go back and you've got to start. This is why, you know, live stream is good. But, you know, that flash drive can be in your car and you can be listening to it regularly instead of once in a while when you're done with coffee or whatever. And then maybe we'll get over to see a little bit of live stream. I got like 10 minutes to watch. And you get nothing out of it, except you feel good about yourself because, you know, I did something. But if you want your life to change, you need to get the word in you regularly. And the word I suggest to you is the word the Holy Spirit's talking to you about here. You don't come here for a service and then you go out there and listen to every Tom, Dick and Harry, whatever. You've got to listen to and be developed in what the Holy Spirit's talking to you about here. That's what's going to change your life. You know, if you were in in the construction business and you were as a plumber, you wouldn't go to your job and do plumbing work. And then at nighttime, go get connected with 
school on electronics or carpentry. It's not going to help you in plumbing. Give me all those updates on electronics. No, you need updates on plumbing because you're a plumber. See, and this is the problem in the body of Christ. People don't know where they belong. And they're like this, grab here, grab here, grab here, just something, something, something. And they, they live in confusion, not settled. You really need to meditate, think about, and ponder what the Holy Spirit has been saying since August, on Sundays and on Wednesdays, and get a hold of these things. Because you have to catch what the Holy Spirit is saying. These last two, this week and last week, is really a culmination of what the Holy Spirit's been saying and bringing it all down. But without the foundation of it, you don't get the ending. You think you get it, but you missed a lot of words. You know, it's like the difference between run out into the street and don't run out into the street. Well, I got the ending part, run out into the street, but you missed the first part that said don't. It has a different outcome. Amen. Acts chapter 20. Let's move on to some new stuff today. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. The Apostle Paul says, and now I commend, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified. I commend you. And that word commend means to place near to God or to entrust to the care of God. You know, when Paul, Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, I know in whom I believe and he is able to keep that which I entrust to him. Right. You remember that. I, it says, I entrust you to God and to the word of his grace. Now look at it in the Passion Translation of Acts 20, 32. And so now I entrust you into God's hands and the message of his grace, which is all that you need to become strong. All of God's blessings are imparted through the message of his grace, which he provides as the spiritual inheritance given to all of his holy ones. The message is all that's needed to become strong. The message, the word of God, is all that's needed to become strong. This is what builds you up, the word of God. Not programs, not shows, not entertainments, not novels. The word of God and the word of God only is what makes you strong. It's the word of his grace, his grace, the word of his grace, which is able. The word able means to have the inherent ability. It is the Greek word dunamai. It has the power to do it. It has the inherent ability to do it. But what is your part on it? You've got to plant it. You've got to plant that word on the inside of you, you know, you can, go to the, you can go to the store and you can look at a rack of seeds, tomato seeds, pumpkin seeds, all kinds of seeds. And in the seed is the inherent ability to grow. Not if you don't plant it. Did you ever walk by a package of tomato seeds and go, dear God, look at the tomatoes growing out of that package? No, because they're not planted. And same thing with the word of God. 
Well, God's able to do it, so he's just going to do it. No, he's not. He didn't just make you get saved, did he? He didn't make you do anything. He's given you free will and you get to choose. You get to choose whether you want to plant the seed or not or whether you want to just la, la, la around. Amen. It is able to build us up and make us strong. It means to construct us and erect us like a building. Grow you. Develop you. Anybody ever do... um, uh, remodeling on your house and maybe made the home bigger than what it was? Yeah, okay. Well, what did you do? You erected it, made it bigger, and this is what the Word of God is able to do. Expand you. Expand your tent. Grow you. In fact, the word also to, to be strong also means to increase your potential. You realize that if you spend time in the Word of God, your potential will grow? Amen. Some people are like, well, this is all I can do. Well, that's because that's all you know. You don't know anything else. That's as far as you've gone, but you can go further. Your potential can increase. The word make you strong also means to make you more able. People are amazed every year at how much my wife and Pastor U. Ellen do out here in setting up all of this Christmas stuff inside, outside. People are amazed. Well, Why? Because they're able to do it. They had the potential to do it. Why? Because they're depending on God. They're declaring what the word of God says. I had a man come by just last week and he's looking at everything out here and he goes, man, you must have had a crew come out here and do this. I said, two people. Two people did all of that inside, outside. Amen. Are you with me? Well, that's only because they've grown in their abilities, being able and having the potential to increase inside of them and to do it with great joy. You know, most people will look at something like that and they'll go, oh, that's just too much. When I used to, when we had our house and we had all the villages set up in the house, people would look at it and they go, oh, this is just too much for me. Uh, it's just, you know why it's too much for you? Because you're trying to do it all at once. But how does anything get done? How does that all get done? One piece at a time. That's how it all gets done. The villages get put up one piece at a time. Amen. A lot of times we just get weary because it's in our own minds. But the message of God's grace is all that is needed to become strong and to be built up. To become strong, is a, this is a growth factor involved here, that you are being built, you are being made strong. The more that you take in the word, the more that that's going to happen. A house is not built overnight, and neither is a life. You know, as workers keep working on the house, the house is going to be built. The workers stop working on the house, then the house won't be built. Is that right? So go to 2 Timothy 2.15. 2 Timothy 2.15. Working on the house, very important. 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, be diligent 
to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Other translations say study to present yourself approved. Well, you should be diligent to study. Diligent to study the word of God. What word is that? The word of his grace. So that you can continue being a workman. Because the workman, as long as the workman's working, the life's being built. When the workman stops working, the life stops being built. And have you ever seen a house that was halfway built, but then it was just not touched anymore? You know that when they stop working on it, it don't look the same a year down the road. It's getting decrepit. And yet we think my life's just the same as it always was. I, I don't really spend time in the word, but my life's just fine. It does, it, you know, it really. It's just like the subtleties that goes on out there and what has happened to this country. You didn't realize how subtle things were moving in the direction that it's moved in and where it's at now because you weren't paying attention. Same thing with our life. If you don't pay attention, it will become decrepit. Go down the tubes. Amen. Handling accurately the word of truth. The word of truth has to be handled accurately. You know, you don't want to be like that little one-year-old with a diaper with his finger on an Uzi trigger. That would be the time to run. It doesn't matter if it looks like they know what they're doing. They don't. They're not handling it accurately. And there are a lot of things in the Word of God that needs to be handled accurately. Okay, one of the big things is like fellowship. You know, fellowship, what is fellowship? Now we had, what did we have Sunday, uh, Friday night? We had the Christmas party, and what do we call that? It's not. No, it's not. It's breaking bread. 90% of what we do in this church is breaking bread. It's not fellowship, because fellowship is... Tell me what's the word's been saying to you. What, are, what have you been studying in the word? You know, let's talk about the word. That's fellowship. We have men's breakfast once a month. Yes, the world is safer after we meet. But not because we're talking about the word. It's not a men's fellowship. It's a men's breakfast. We're breaking bread and complaining about all the garbage that goes on out there. And we know how to fix it if they just let us. <laughs> but you see, fellowship is one of the most misunderstood words in the Bible. They continued daily in the apostles' doctrine. Fellowship around the word, breaking of bread, sharing meals together, and prayer. You have to know what each one of those are. Amen. And you know, deep calls to deep. Deep always calls. I can get together. With, you know, you all know Dr. Dan over in Miami. I can call. I can be over in Miami. And go, hey, Dan, how about you and Eve? You want to go out and we'll have dinner together. We go out and have dinner. My wife gets ticked off 
Because me and Dan are going to start talking. We start talking the word, man. We're going back and, and we're getting excited. We get excited at the table just talking about the word because it's the anointing on the word, you know. My wife's sitting there going, I can't even get a word in. Sometimes she goes, hold it, hold it, hold it. You, you guys have been talking enough. I got something I want to say. <laughs> Why? Because that's not just breaking bread. That's fellowship. Hello. Now, why is that important? Because you need to handle the word accurately. A workman is one who works their life with the word of grace, the word of truth that they're receiving. So what they're hearing, that workman then works it into their life. Believe you receive and you will have it. Work it into your life. Are you with me? Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7. Verse 24 through 27. Jesus had gotten done speaking to his disciples of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And all the pictures show where he's talking to the multitudes. He's not. He's talking to his disciples. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6 is all about talking to his disciples. And then about 10 verses into chapter 7, the multitude finds him and he turns back to an evangelistic message to the multitudes. And he's talking to the multitudes here. And he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. We're going all the way on to verse 27. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, slammed against the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Okay, so two people, two situations, but the rains came to both, the storms came to both, the winds blew on both. Isn't that right? One was a workman of the word. He heard. The other was a hearer, but didn't do it. Now, I want you to notice something back in verse 25. Yeah, verse 25. It says, the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the... What is the rock? Come on, come on, let's not be theological here. What is the rock? Come on, nope, what's the rock? Nope. Revelation, a voice in the wilderness. Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father that is in heaven and upon this rock of revelation knowledge, I will build my church. It had been founded on the rock of revelation, the rhema, the rhema of God, the revelation, what comes alive, born on the inside. That's the word we can do. A lot of people trying to do the Logos, but they're in works. Now, you can try to do the Logos, but you need to be renewing your mind. And you need to be getting things alive on the inside of you. Are you with me? 
So again, one of them was a workman of the word. He heard the word. Uh, he was a workman of the word that he heard. And the other was a hearer, but didn't do it. Probably the one that heard it and didn't do it was a really good talker. You know how people are good talkers, right? But he never gave a thought to doing it. One was built up and made strong. The other was weak and fell apart. The workman was strong in the storm, but the other one's life collapsed. Workman of the word, of the rhema. See, you've got to be a workman for rhema to be produced in you. And then you have to be a workman to work the rhema and have it working in your life. Are you with me? I go back to Acts 20 again, verse 32. Acts 20, 32. Now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The New English translation says, and now I entrust you to God and to the message of his grace. This message is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So if the message is not taken hold of, if the message is forgotten, if the message is not thought of, then it can't build you. Right? Even though the message has within it the inherent ability and power to do it, but it has to be planted in the soil. So again, we go back to the parable of the sower. It's all about the parable of the sower. How you received the word, did you receive the word, did the word get stolen from you? Is it producing on the inside? So therefore, faith, faith, whatever is born, faith, born, the rhema, is a necessary ingredient for growth. Absolutely necessary. Faith receives it into ourself so it'll grow. I get behind that shield, faith, I receive that, okay? But now I have to renew my mind to it so that I can grow into it. The sower, you hear the word. Remember, he heard the, the last person in the parable of the sower. It was sown on good soil. This is the person that hears the word and understands it. And he will bear and bring forth 30, 60 and 100 fold. Isn't that right? All right. So you number one, you got to bear it. It's got to bear fruit on the inside, and then it gets brought forth into your life. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, Paul says that you, uh, you received from us the word, not as the, man, uh, the word of God, but as the, I'm sorry, you received the word, not as a word of man, but as the word of God, which is able to perform its work in you who believe. Believe what? Believe what the word says in you who believe, right? So, what's the difference between faith and believing? Faith is a noun. What is a noun? Person, place, or thing. So what is faith? It's a place behind the shield. But believing is a verb. And that noun has to turn into a verb. The shield has to become a sword. You'll never defeat the enemy with a shield. 
Never. Only with a sword. And it's an upfront and close battle with the enemy, so you can jab that sword into him. Remember David, when he uh, fought with Goliath? It says he ran to the battle line. He said, I'm going to confront this uncircumcised Philistine that has taunted the armies of the living God. And just like the lion and just like the bear, he'll become just like one of them. He ran to the battle. He didn't run from it. You don't run away from stuff. The only time you run away from stuff is when you don't have a rhema. When you have a rhema, bless God, we're running into that battle and we're jabbing this thing, killing it. Are you with me? Amen. Where are we at? Let's look at the message translation here. Acts 20, 32. Now I'm turning you over to God, our marvelous God, whose gracious word can make you into what he wants you to be and give you everything you could possibly need in this community of holy friends. His gracious word that can make you into what he wants you to be. You know, I hear people say, and I've heard this, people say this through the years, I'm the clay and God's the potter, so just mold me and make me. Well, how's he going to do that? You ever wonder? Well, I'm just going to automatically. Really? So he'll override your will. He'll go against what you want and just do what he wants. No. How is he going to mold you? It's by us taking a hold of his word by faith and working it into our life as a workman of the word and being built up. Amen. Amen. He said he gives you everything you could possibly need. Well, isn't that what it says in Peter? That by his divine power, he has given to us all things that pertains to life and godliness. You know, after service, you may go down to Golden Corral and there is everything provided for you that you probably don't need to eat. But it's all provided. Dear God, you can go back as many times as you want to. You, don't, you can stop at the when you should, and you can just go into when I want. You can just have all that you want. Isn't that right? It's been provided for you. But unless you go in there, and unless you go past the cashier and give them some money, and then take your little plate and go up to the buffet and fill it, and then put what you put on your plate and fill your mouth... It's not going to do you any good, even though it's been provided. And God's provided so much for us, but yet it's all sitting there on the buffet. And we're not taking hold of it. Why? Because we like entertainment. We want shows. We want more vacations. We want more downtime. We want more of everything that's not going to help us in our life. And when it comes to the things of God, I don't know, I'm just so, I don't really get much out of this anymore. Well, you're so carnal. You've become so carnal. No wonder your flesh is in total control. And you got to get back to where you put that thing down. And make yourself do what you need to do and make your flesh obey. Because if you wait till you feel like it, you ain't never going to feel like it. 
You won't even feel like seeing Jesus, but you're going to go see him sooner than you thought. Amen. I'm just trying to be serious with you here. Give you everything you could possibly need in this community, community of holy friends. The word in, so, such a small word, because a lot of translations use the word among, among the saints. It's not among, it's the Greek word en, E-N, and it means in. It's in the saints, not in the community, except that it's in each individual that's in the body. In Ephesians, it says, Ephesians 1.18, that you would know the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of the inheritance that is in the saints. It's in you. When you got born again, it was put in you. You're waiting for whatever when it's already in you. And now it's us, up to us to bear fruit and bring forth. God's given you that right on the earth to do these things. He, there's an earthly inheritance. It's called possess the land. But then there's also a uh, a, a spiritual inheritance called enter the kingdom. Spiritual inheritance, earthly inheritance. You can possess the land on the earth and enter the kingdom in the spirit realm. And both of them has inheritance. He's blessed you with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. And you can receive out from that spiritual place because you're born again spiritually and you can receive out from that spiritual place and you can bring it into the natural realm so that you can possess the land. There's a good book somebody just finished writing called Building the Soul, Building the Bridge of the Soul. You might want to get a copy. <laughs> All right, where are we at? Go over to the Amplified Bible. Acts 20, 32, the Amplified Bible. Because here's where it gets good. And now, brethren, I commit you to God. I deposit you in his charge, entrusting you to his protection and care. And I commend you to the word of his grace, to the commands and counsels and promises of his unmerited favor. It is able to build you up and to give you your rightful inheritance among all God's set-apart ones, those consecrated, purified, and transformed of soul. To give you your rightful inheritance to those that are set apart, consecrated, purified, transformed. Your rightful inheritance. So, I'm just going to ask you a question. Do you think that Mark is going to have the same inheritance as Rich? Who's going to have the same inheritance as Rob? Have the same inheritance as Pastor Morgan? Do you think everybody has the same inheritance? But yet this is what everybody thinks. We all get the same. We're all born again. We all get... No. Everybody has a rightful inheritance. Those that are set apart, consecrated, purified, and transformed of soul. Every one of these is a level of being set apart. The set apart ones. Who are the set apart ones? The ones that are consecrated, purified, transformed of soul. 
Everyone is a level of being set apart, which equals the rightful inheritance for each. Jesus had disciples, didn't he? He had multitudes of people that would just follow him and throng in on him, and they would be there every place he would go. They were disciples. But then he had the 12 disciples that was there from the time of the River Jordan all the way to the resurrection. But then out of that 12, there was the three, Peter, James, and John, the inner circle. Isn't that right? And then out of those three, there was one that remained till the very end and never was martyred and retired in the city of Ephesus. And that was John, the one whom Jesus loved. That's what he called himself, remember? Well, every one of those disciples was levels. You know, out of, the, out of the multitude, you know, there was 70. Then there was the 12. Then there was the three. Then there was the one. Everyone's a level. Those that are born again, they are consecrated. Right? The ones living in righteousness and working out that righteousness in, in practical righteousness, they're ones that are purified in their life. Not perfect. We're not saying perfect. Purified in life. No different than when the Lord spoke of Job. He said he was upright, blameless. Didn't say he was perfect. And then there were those that renew their mind to be Christ-like in character and in faithful service to the Lord. Those are the ones that are transformed in soul. And what do we know about the soul? Third John says that you would be in health and prosper in life even as your soul prospers, even as, just as, or in direct connection to how your soul prospers so you will be in health and uh, be prosperous in life. So how does the soul prosper? By becoming more like Jesus. Having Jesus increase in your life. You know, we, we say this all the time. Oh, Jesus, more of you, less of me. Well, what are you doing to make that happen? You know, we come up with all these cliches and we feel so good about saying them, but what are we doing? My wife used to say years ago, she would say, I'm, I'm never going to let that happen to me. And I'd say to her, so what are you going to do about it? What are you doing about it? You can't just say that. What are you doing so that that becomes a reality? Amen. Hallelujah. As our soul prospers, taking hold of the word of his grace, getting it in our heart, getting it in our mouth. It's able to build us up, make us strong, to be a worker of the word, increasing the potential and making us more able in doing the word in our life. This is each one is receiving their rightful inheritance. Not everybody will receive the same because there's levels of rewards in heaven just like there's levels of punishment in hell. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of faith and action. Amen. Hallelujah. How many can take one more verse? Who give me five minutes? All right, five, 10, 15. God bless you. Appreciate that. First Corinthians chapter three, verse 10. And we're gonna look at it in some different translations. 1 Corinthians 3.10. Paul's talking about building off of the foundation. He said, according to the grace. Oh, can we go to New American Standard? 
It says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. So, you know, how many of you ever had a house built or something built here in the, in the community or any place? Okay. And what do you have to deal with? Building codes that we love. <laughs> we all have to deal with building codes, don't we? And it has to be built to code and it has to pass inspection. Well, God has codes. He has standards for building our life that we have to follow. Amen. Look at the Passion Translation. God has given me unique gifts as a skilled master builder who lays a good foundation. Afterward, another craftsman comes and builds on it. So builders beware. Let every builder do his work carefully according to God's standards. It has to be according to the way God says to build it. Otherwise, what? You're building on the sand. You don't want to build on the sand. You want to build on the rock of revelation. Revelation is the rock that you build your life on that the, the gates of hell is not able to overpower it. So if you don't build your house on the rock of revelation and you build it on Logos or you build it on just what you think, you're building on the sand and the gates of hell will prevail. Is that right? We don't want that. We want it built strong and solid on the rock. Amen. That's God's standards for building. Look in the message translation. Verse 10. We're going to read verse 10 through 13 in the message translation. Using the gift God gave me as a good architect, I design blueprints. Apollos is building up the walls. Let each carpenter who comes on the job take care to build on the foundation. Remember, there's only one foundation, the one already laid, Jesus Christ. Take particular care in picking out your building materials. Eventually, there's going to be an inspection. If you use cheap or inferior materials, you'll be found out. The inspection will be thorough and rigorous. You won't get by with a thing. Amen. Which goes back to what we say. You can't be the skinny guinea with the tiny hiney and think you're just going to slide by. It ain't going to happen. And I can say that since I'm a skinny guinea or, you know. But you're not going to slide by like sometimes we think we can. Nothing is out of the reach and the eyes of God. Amen. Amen. We need to take particular care in picking out our building materials. And you know, it goes on to say your building materials can be gold, silver, precious stones or wood, hay and straw. And it's not so much what you do as it is the motive and the attitude of what you're doing. When Jesus sat by the treasury, he didn't watch what they gave, he watched how they gave. Because it's all about agenda, it's all about attitude, and it's all about motive. That's what he wants to see. It's a heart condition, isn't that right? Amen. So, Jesus is the foundation, and we got on the foundation when we got saved. But salvation is not only about the initial stages of pardon and regeneration. But it's about all of its subsequent stages of upbuilding. Even to the consummation 
in the final inheritance when we enter into heaven. But that's what salvation is all about. It's not just about I'm saved, I'm done. No, you got a life you have to build. Isn't that right? And how we build on that life is going to determine our rightful inheritance. Because God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this is what he will reap. Amen? Amen. So he said in Acts again, I commend you to the message of this grace. And this message needs to be caught in our heart. Jesus taught the multitudes, the parable of the sower. He taught the multitudes, but then he explained it to his disciples. But they still had to catch it for themselves. They had to apply that truth into everyday living. Did they? No. Because right after the parable of the sower, they're on the water. Jesus said, let's go over to the other side. And they don't use authority over the storm. If you're growing tomato plants and birds come down to eat your seed, what are you going to do? You're going to shoo them away. Why? Because you understand the seed needs to grow. So although they had the parable taught to them, and although they had it explained to them, and although they had the information about it, they didn't understand that when Jesus said, let's go over to the other side, he didn't just say a word, he sowed a seed. The seed of the word, the sower sows the word, and the word is a seed. And when he said, let's go over to the other side, he was seeding that into them. Let's go over to the other side. But they didn't understand the seed. So when the storm came, they didn't shoo the birds away. Jesus got up, he shooed the birds away, the storm, and he said, Oh, ye of little faith. Why did you doubt? Where's your faith? Well, it wasn't necessarily faith to shoo away the birds. It was faith to believe the word that he said. I said we're going to the other side. I'm taking a nap. I don't care what's going on out there. I'm taking a nap. You can deal with that because you don't believe the word I said. He knew his word was going to get him to the other side. It was the seed that was sown. But he just taught them about the parable of the sower and they still didn't catch it. Just because you sit here and just because you hear it and just because you maybe wrote notes and maybe you're here every service doesn't mean you're catching it. You might be full of information, but no rock of revelation. And without the rock, your house is built on the sand. Jesus spoke to the fig tree. Let no one eat fruit from you again. What was he doing? Sowing a seed. The sower sows the... Every time you say a word, you're sowing a seed. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Makes me want to think twice about the things coming out of my mouth. Amen. I don't care what you think. You know, you know, I hear people say things like, well, you know, those people, they need to be put to death. You better watch that. You need to watch that because the Bible says, do not do not be pleased when your enemy is brought down because God will turn his anger against them. And he's going to set it on you. You need to be real careful with what you say. Because you will reap what you sow. Amen. Don't shout me down. 
Because it's getting good now. He told his disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they're like, oh, we didn't bring any bread. And he's like, hey, what's wrong with you? How many people did we just feed? And what did we have? How much did we have? And how many baskets was left over? And how many did we feed over here? And how many baskets was left over? And you're thinking about bread. He never told them what he was talking about, but they got it that time. They caught it and they said, oh, it's the teaching of the Pharisees. You got to catch it for yourself. I don't care who's teaching in the pulpit. I don't care about any of that. You got to catch it for yourself. Nobody can catch it for you. Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he was teaching, he taught out of the Old Testament. It's amazing how many people say you don't need the Old Testament. He taught out of the Old Testament. There was no New Testament. But he applied it into current life and situations that we now call the New Testament. But each person that he taught had to catch it for themselves. When he taught about the foundation, there was a parable. There's a foundation. You're going to build on foundation. You're going to use gold, silver, precious stones or wood, hay and straw. And there's going to be an inspection about your foundation. Oh, I don't care about that. I'm not building a house. But that's what you hear from people. Well, I don't care about that. I'm not worried about that. Of course, they're not catching it. When everything in the word applies to every area and anything, you're not catching it. Are you with me? We teach a, you could teach a lesson about building a house and using uh, American drywall versus Chinese drywall. And think it's all about drywall. And yet it's not. It's about the quality of what you're using to build your life. Who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Peter caught it. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. My father's revealed this to you and you caught it. Amen. And then right behind that, Jesus says, I'm going to be crucified, put to death. by." Oh, Peter says, I'll never let that happen again. He says, get behind me, Satan. What do you mean? I'm the one with the revelation. Huh? Well, just because you caught one doesn't mean you got them all. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But yet, even though one revelation, one rhema, that's what you get. One revelation and one rhema at a time. But yet the application of that one rhema can be far reaching. Amen. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection. He told Martha, your brother will rise. She didn't get it. She didn't catch it. He's, uh, the the, the, uh, uh, the uh, Syrophoenician woman comes to Jesus and Jesus said, it's not right to give the children's bread to the dogs. And she says, yeah, but even the dogs look for a crumb from the master's table. She caught it. A Roman centurion comes to Jesus and says, my servant needs to be healed, but I don't want you to come to the house. I'm not worthy. Just say the word. See, he caught something. And what did Jesus say about it? When, when it came to the Syrophoenician woman and it came to the Roman centurion, what did Jesus say about them? He said, what great they, faith they have. I haven't seen this kind of faith even in Israel. It was not only just great faith because they caught it, but it's great faith because they were Gentiles. Amen. Amen. So when you talk about salvation, thank you, Jesus. I almost caught that. So when we talk about salvation, 
what does the revelation of salvation create in you? When you hear the word salvation, what does that create on the inside of you? What are you catching about salvation? Is it just like, yeah, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven? I mean, well, what happens between when you, I got saved 42 years ago. What happens between them and when I finally go see Jesus at 120 years old, unless the rapture comes first? What happens in between? We have to be catching some things of what the Lord's saying to us. You can be taught the Logos, but it needs to be caught as a rhema. It is the message of grace received by faith and lived in. Faith is a shield. The helmet of salvation is a renewed mind. And then we believe with the sword out of our heart and out of our mouth. Do you think that when Jesus comes back on that white horse that there's actually going to be a sword coming out of his mouth, a physical sword? No, it's, what did Jesus say? The words I speak to you are spirit and they're life-giving. Out of his spirit, out of his mouth. Amen. Amen. The problem is spouting things out that we haven't meditated on. And we're speaking things in Logos form, not Rhema form. If something hasn't developed in you inwardly, it cannot create from you outwardly. It has to develop inwardly to create outwardly. You bear first and then you bring forth. What is the force that's in our heart? Is it faith or is it fear? Is it fear or is it doubt? Is it stability or is it wondering? Is it belief or unbelief? Is it surety or is it anxiety? What's going on on the inside of us? In the midst of turbulence, are we receiving the word of his grace and his unmerited favor? Are we doing the word that we have received? The message of his grace that we receive has the inherent ability to build us up, make us strong, and deposit into our life the rightful inheritance that continues to grow as we move from the consecrated into the purification and into the transformation. As we continue to move along, that inheritance grows. It comes from the word of his grace. Amen. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. It's so important to get a hold of this, to get it working in our life, to get it working in us so that it can come from us. Jesus went to heaven and he sat down at the right hand of the Father because he was done. That's what it means when you sit down, done. And what did he say as he was being raised? Now you go. Now you go. Now it's in your, the ball's in your court now. And he's given us everything we need. He's given us authority, given us dominion, given us his word, his Holy Spirit. He's given us his grace, his mercy. He's given us his righteousness, given us salvation that we could take hold of. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And that's now up to us to now go and do like he did. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. 
And what does people think about? All these great, wonderful, powerful miracles. I'm about speaking to the fig tree. How many of you spoke to the storm that was coming through? With faith, expecting that you could speak to it and just done. Okay, we're done. It's passing us by. You know, I mean, that's the works of Jesus. Jesus went around teaching, preaching, and healing. Two-thirds of his ministry was words. Only one-third was action. But we get all caught up on the spectacular that we miss the supernatural. And just, just a word out of my heart. Let no one eat fruit from you again. Done. Let's go over to the other side. Done. Finished. And that's where it starts. And if it don't start there, it'll never go anyplace else. And that's what you've got to catch. You've got to catch it on the inside. And then you've got to live it. You've got to live it. You don't think to the storm. You speak. You speak to it. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, we bless you. We honor you, Lord. We give you all the praise and the glory. For you alone are worthy. Lord, I thank you for every person in the sound of my voice, in the room, on live stream, or on podcast. Father, I thank you that your anointing has moved. It has touched us, Father. It's brought clarity to us and understanding that, of things that we can take hold of. Now, Father, according to your word, for everyone within the sound of my voice, whether they're listening to it live or whether they're even listening to it on an archive, Father, I pray and I speak, Father, as Paul said, I commend them to you, Lord, and I entrust them to you to watch over them, to keep them, to guard them, and to protect them. Father, that you would continue to move in them and continue to move that they would come to a place to where revelation, Father, would become exponential in their life, that it would be a Rhema upon rhema upon rhema upon rhema upon rhema, Father, that the realities of the kingdom will come alive in them and that it will come through them, Father, out of their heart, out of their mouth, into their lives, Father, that it will show the enemy that we declare not only that Jesus is Lord, but that Jesus is coming back again. Because that's the way we live. We don't just live based on the fact that we were saved, but we based on the fact that we are going into eternity. And Father, we're preparing for it with every day of our life and every fiber of our being. We give ourselves to it. So I thank you, Lord, that you'll watch over your word to perform it. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you continue to bring these things up inside of each and every one of us. And Father, I thank you that it's the word of your grace that makes us able, increases our potential, makes us strong, and builds us up that we can stand, Father, as you have taught us against the pressures of this life. We thank you, we praise you, 
and bless you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I hope that this has been a benefit to you today. Opened up your eyes to some things and be able to take hold of some stuff that helps you to move further in life. Amen. 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 Father, I thank you. Thank you for your word today, Father. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts, what you're doing in our lives, that your eye is never off of us. Your arm is always stretched out towards us, Father, and that your ear is always open to us. We thank you, Father, for that, that we are never without you, but you are here in us, never to leave us and never to forsake us. We thank you for your loving kindness, your grace and your goodness. As we come before you, Father, with our giving, whether it be with our tithe, whether it be with first fruit offering or whether it be with seed sowing. Father, we do so according to your word. We declare what your word says about the tithe or about the first fruit offering or about seed sowing. Father, we declare that over that which we do. And your word will go forth in might. It's coming out of our heart. And Father, because it goes out from us, it will create for us. So, Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to bring our seed with a heart of thanksgiving to honor you and worship you this day in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you need an envelope for cash or credit card giving, there's one on the seat back in front of you. If there's not, just lift your hand. The ushers will serve you.